0: Welcome to the David Levin Show, where we talk about how to raise your inner game so you can do great work, do cool things, and love your life. I'm David Levin. I'm excited about today's podcast because this is the first interview I've done. I've wanted to do interviews from the beginning, thought about who that might be. Uh, Today's guest is somebody I wanted to talk to for a while. Also, today's guest is Rob Ashton. Rob is the founder and CEO of Emphasis UK. Emphasis teaches business writing skills. Rob and I met six, seven years ago at a conference out in California. We hit it off. We have spoken pretty much every month. Actually, it's a Skype chat, video chat, almost every month since then. Really developed into a a lovely friendship. I, I so value having him as a friend. The conversations we have, we talk about his business, we talk about my business, we talk about flying, or the thing we originally bonded about at that conference was that we're both pilots. I'm an inactive pilot. He's a very active pilot. In fact, he actually got his helicopter license since we met. I was jealous about that. We don't talk about that in today's podcast, but that's what got us together in the first place. But there's just a lot of overlap, you know, with our interests. But the reason I wanted to interview him for the podcast is he's the one who introduced me to the idea of the uh, highly sensitive person, the HSP. I, I posted about that a few weeks ago. And I've been wanting to get him uh, on the podcast and just go a little more deep with that. So that's the um, the official reason we started to talk today. And we open up talking about that. But then we got off talking about communication because he's an expert in it, especially in the written communication realm. Uh, I was super interested in that with my previous book, Don't Just Talk Be Heard. So we sort of geek out on communication for a pretty good chunk of the conversation. We do pull it back to the HSP topic near the end, what you might do if you think that might apply to you, how to think about it, maybe a couple things, specific things to do. So it's a, it's a wide-ranging conversation, let's just say that. It's also a little longer than I might have imagined. It runs an hour and 40 or so minutes. You don't have to listen to it all at once, of course. That's the beauty of the podcast player. You can just listen to some, pick up where you left off. Most of the podcasts I listen to are long form. An hour would be a short one. For what I tend to listen to, two hours is very common. So I hope that works for you. In any case, it's an interesting conversation, um, especially around the communication, but also some good insights and thoughts on this whole idea of the highly sensitive person. And near the end, we talk about how the Raise Your Inner Game skills and just the whole approach to living and self-regulation is just super helpful for people who do fall into that category. Of being a highly sensitive person, so anyway, enough introduction. I give you my good friend Rob Ashton. Rob, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh,
1: it's great to be here. You're welcome.
0: So, um, the main thing that made me want to, you know, get you on the show, as it were, is this idea of the highly sensitive person. You were the one who introduced me to that idea, I was really fascinated by it, and uh i'm gonna I'm gonna force you into the position of the expert today because compared to me you are, and I'm guessing compared to you know most of my listeners, our listeners, so I, I want to talk about that first and uh, for those of us who don't know about it because I didn't either, I wonder if we could just start out with just you know what is
1: it? I don't even know it's a trait
0: or just how do you talk about it and think about
1: it? a um, high sensitivity um, is a trait, yes, it's not a It's not a condition. It's not an illness. Um, It is uh, a trait that it's thought that up to one in five people has. Um, And really, it just uh, it's a description of how much you respond to certain stimuli. And those stimuli tend to be uh, they can be emotional stimuli. They can or they can be sound, for example, Um, and different Different people who might be described as, as high, highly sensitive um, can respond to different things. So, for instance, um, I'm not particularly sensitive to loud noise, um, but uh, I am very sensitive to um, some of the other traits or some of the other um, factors that, that go to to describe that. Um, this was something that was uh, it's a, it's a, a term that was coined by the psychologist, uh, Dr. Elaine Aron, a few years ago um and uh, in fact if i'm sure we can put uh, a link to her website in the show notes at the end but um Mm -hmm. this there's a questionnaire on that site uh, and if you go through this questionnaire it checks for lots of different things um it checks for things like for instance uh do you are are you are you particularly um empathic um with um or empathetic with with, with other people. Um, in in my case, that's a yes. Um, in my case, also, um, I know that um, that I'm very sensitive to uh, certain emotional stimuli, such as, for instance, graphic violence um even reading a description of graphic violence for me can affect me literally for years and i do mean mm-hmm. years you know i've 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 read descriptions of things that have actually happened not not in fiction but in real life you know re- read accounts of those things um it, it, you know the, the, something i read 15 years ago still uh, still affects me today i still think of it and shudder um which uh, i you know i i um never really thought Anything of it until I came across this this idea of high sensitivity and realized that um hey you know what there's a pattern here there are you know i I have more than one of these things um, I can pick up on um on feelings quite quickly but i'm particularly sensitive to other people's feelings in the sense that you know they almost shout out at me um, mm. uh, and in in my job as a, a as a um an expert, for want of a better term, in written communication, um, it it almost leaps off the page as well. You know, I, c- I can look at something someone's written uh, and I can see, um, it, it, you know, I, I can see it affecting how it might affect other people um, uh, in ways that um, I used to think were obvious, but turns out they're obvious to me and, and not everybody else. Um, but as i say it's not a condition it's not something that's uh you know if 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 you fall into this category um you are not ill um or sick um and um it, you you know it's not a it's not a mental illness um in fact it's uh, one theory is that it's an evolutionary trait because um it, you know there would have been a time where um, extreme sensitivity to external stimuli, um, could be a, a really good, um, survival mechanism, um, you know, that would enable you to, uh, to duck and cover, um, when the time came. Um, but what it can do in the modern world is lead you to duck and cover when actually you don't need to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a couple of things in
0: there, actually, I wanted to ask you about the idea of being sensitive to descriptions of uh, graphic descriptions of violence. Mm. Is there a difference there between fiction and real? Like, are you as affected by fictional violence as you are by things that you understand or actually happen?
1: Not as much. No, not as much. I will avoid, um, uh, you know, horror novels, um, uh, for instance. Um, You know what? Certainly, if I'm watching, if I'm watching um, a film, uh, it, you know, for instance, you know, if I'm watching a film with my wife, my wife's noted that, you know, I'll be on the edge of my seat and I'm there in the film. And she's just observed mm. and said, oh, look at you. You know, it's like it's like I'm really on, on the edge waiting, waiting for, um, uh, you know, for something to happen. I'm kind of completely drawn in um uh, but and for that reason i will avoid um films that have um graphic violence or or implied um uh, violence so you know even if the violence is off screen um you know it, it just is i find it too disturbing too upsetting um but uh you know reading reading descriptions of things that have actually happened that, yeah, that's far worse, far worse.
0: Okay. It's interesting. I mean, I, I haven't taken the, the uh, assessment questionnaire that you're talking about. I don't think I did find an article somewhere online that had 24, 21, maybe, uh, you know, signs that you might be a highly sensitive person. And uh, I, I also have the sense that it's not a linear thing. Like it's not necessarily if you have, you know 12 then you're not as sensitive as somebody who has 15 but i scored pretty high uh, yeah. <laughs> even though maybe it might not be that um and one of them the empathy one is a big one the empathetic element to me i think that's if i'm understanding it right i think that's one of the reasons i just can't do facebook um just just being told of all these things that are happening even small little things in for all these people i just can't process it i just it's just overwhelming. That, that's to me.
1: A, yeah, me it's, too. And is I think I think um, uh, you, you know social media generally um, and its effects um, on our emotions is something that's um, that's continually underestimated. Um, you, you know, it's the, the I, I know one uh, psychologist who, who described um, uh, Twitter as as you know the the, the kind of like collective amygdala of the human pop of the, of the, of the human race, you know Um, it's uh, it's just designed to stimulate the emotions and, and you know, that's not accidental. That's, you know, it's uh, it's designed that way to keep you checking. Um, You know, why, why do we, um, why, why do we crave uh, somebody liking something that we've posted when actually it really doesn't matter. If you think of all the things that matter in your life, um that's probably way way down the list you know quite often these people are strangers um but you know if you if you go into say comment sections in um on news sites you know for instance of, of newspapers um it, you know you see it there you see people um you know commenting i've done this myself you comment and then you go back to see if anybody else has liked your comment why does that matter Mm. you know these people are strangers often you don't even know their names you know they're just using uh pseudonyms um so it it is it's it's a strange thing but of course interesting because that is another example of of um a trait that we evolved um thousands of years ago um and how it plays out in the modern world
0: yeah 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 so you mentioned this earlier the the idea that this whole, this collection of attributes uh, would be uh, evolutionary, adaptive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it totally makes sense to me that since sort of the, the thing that makes us more successful than the other um, you know, animals out there is our social ability, our ability to work uh, in groups, um, totally supports that. I mean, the more that ability to empathize it helps you understand and keep the group moving smoothly and that interest in there's a little different side of that uh but the interest in are people you know responding to your post Um, it's all about your your group consciousness right
1: yeah absolutely um and this is why this is another reason why you know i say it's not a condition um you know it's a trait and it can in some circumstances it can be a real advantage um because if you can if you can sense the mood very quickly um if you can you know if you're talking with someone and you can sense if if something is wrong um then i mean this is certainly something i think i can do um can be a disadvantage because it can be a distraction you know if you think oh hang on something something's wrong and this person may not want to they may not know anything's wrong they might may just be giving out signals um but usually they do and they may not want to talk about it so it's um it but you know it can be a real advantage In, in most cases um well, in many, in many cases, I think it's an advantage. You know, I, I used to think this was a social anxiety thing. Um, it, you know, another way it plays out with me is, um, if I, if large groups going, you know, go, going to, to large gatherings. Um, I, I used to think that I was just a complete introvert, um, socially anxious, um, because I would find those things quite a trial. Um, but but since I've discovered this this concept um I realize that that often it's not that it's not that i'm actually socially anxious some you know i lo- I love talking to people um i it's somebody described it as being antisocial once and, and it's like no, this absolutely is not and you know being antisocial i i i love um love being around people but actually in in that kind of gathering it's being overwhelmed because mm-hmm. you go in and and you can see, you know you're, you're in a room and so much is going on that you've got all these signals flying at you and it becomes very difficult to process them oh you know i went to something last week and and you know i left after about an hour and i just had to sit in my car for 10 minutes and just stare <laughs> into space you know and while I, I was kind of processing all this stuff that had been going on um but like I say, you know that doesn't that that's not unusual. Uh, it, it's it's thought to affect up to uh, up to one in five people. Uh, so I know well, I there'll be a lot of people listening to this that it affects uh, in a similar way.
0: Absolutely, and it's not necessarily that that's not introversion. Also, I imagine because um, they do talk about. I guess the last time I really kind of put my attention on the whole question of introvert extrovert, that most people are actually in the middle, right? Yeah. Ambiverts. Yeah. Um, And and introvert
1: and extrovert in different situations as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm so much the same. I have this image, as you talked about that, I have this image of going to family gatherings. My wife's got a big family.
1: Yeah.
0: And once, you know, once they all come and the spouses come and the kids come, it's a big group when we get together. And we get together and I'm, I head straight for the couch (laughs) and, you know, whatever magazine is there. And and it is not a popular move, but. (laughs) But again, I'm the first person um, to say, "Hey, why don't we have somebody over for dinner?" I mean, again, I'm very social. Yeah, when it's within uh, an intensity level that I can engage with, you know, it doesn't take too much for it to be just like you say, overwhelming.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely, um, uh, and it's a it's a spectrum, um, uh, and I I often think um, that. When when you have traits like this, whether it's introversion, whether it's high sensitivity, um, you know, it's part of who you are and there will be qualities you have which give you a distinctive advantage that just be, that, that just go along with that trait. Um, so, for instance, you know, you might be an introvert, um, but you might also be um, very creative uh, and and um very thoughtful and and you know have a very strong imagination um have a very rich inner life you know um which can which can produce a lot of ideas um and incidentally that rich inner life is 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 another one of the characteristics it's very common in highly sensitive people um but you know these it, it's I think it would be wrong to describe these things as um you know as a as a disadvantage all the time that they, they can make life difficult for sure at times but also they can produce um you know can produce lots of ideas um they can produce original thinking um and they can reduce you know they can produce um you know great creativity um so but you know they're all part and parcel of of the same thing and you know often you have one and then you you know maybe you can be very sensitive but also very creative.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting too that, you know, that you and I both ended up. I don't know if, how, where the causal path comes, but we both have done work in on the communi- in communications. Uh, you know, I'm not doing that so much now. But my last book, which grew out of uh, so just some kind of personal coaching I was doing with speakers and executives, but as as we talk about the the empathetic side of this and being able to pick up on the emotions that are happening when maybe other people don't see those. That's exactly what that was about, exclusively what that was about. I would be with somebody, I would be either hearing them speak, hearing what they're saying, or when you get into the executive coaching kind of stuff, just kind of sit in the room with them. And I was just picking up. There was this, this, this loud list of subtext, of things that weren't being said, but just the emotional undercurrent that was going on and as soon as I would, you know, help them see that and help them do things to uh, I don't want to say compensate because it wasn't necessarily bad, but just make sure that they were communicating the same thing across all those frequencies, basically, it was just super helpful for them. And and again, it was just totally based on observing those things, which yeah. again to me was just like, of course, that that was like the the main signal I was hearing basically was the emotional. The unspoken channel and it just wasn't being picked up by a lot of people and that sounds like very similar to what you're talking about in uh in the work you do or some of the work you've done
1: absolutely you know these things often scream out at you uh, and um it's taken me a long time to realize that not everybody is seeing this stuff um you know not particularly for instance, if I'm reading a document or a transcript of, um, of a live chat session, say, in, you know, on a customer help desk, uh, and you can see the point where it all goes wrong uh, and you think, oh, how, can, can you not see? Can you not, <laughs> can you not see what this person is saying and, and, what uh, and feel what they're, you know, or, or understand what they might be feeling in saying that? Um, and, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. easier for some people than for other people.
0: You know, you talk about the values, the benefits of having some of these traits. That one strikes me like if you are putting a team together, you want at least one of the people on that team to be able to pick up on that stuff. Right? I mean, I don't know if you ever watched this, but there was an old, uh, seems old now. There was one version of Star Trek here in the States, the next generation. And they had Counselor Troy, who was this, I forget what her... Species not species is the wrong word, but <laughs> the planet she came from, her people were um specifically empaths, and that was her role there and uh you know it obviously it was a it was star trek it was helpful to have her there pick it up on that stuff, but you know more in the real world, you can imagine that being something especially like maybe you've got a group of engineers and you're you know you're a software company or you you're you're uh if you're if the work of this team has to do with user interface experience, customer service kind of stuff, messaging stuff. You want somebody to be able to perceive that subtext or you're going to be putting out stuff that, uh, is, is not effective, not helpful.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, I've I've been researching a book for uh, about two years on, on the science behind, um, communication and, um, one of the things of, uh, pieces of research I've, I've recently discovered is the effect of the, of the hormone oxytocin. Um, you may have heard of oxytocin, sometimes called the love hormone. Um, and uh, what this research has showed is that it, this is often released when you are speaking with somebody face to face. And this, this, this hormone really kind of oils the wheels of a relationship. It makes you feel good. It makes you more sympathetic to the other person's point of view. Um, now we've been saying um, in my in my company um, emphasis, we've been saying for years that you know when you're you're writing an email and you've been kind of sweating over this thing for twenty minutes, and and um, and the reason is you're just trying to get the language just right, and you're trying to you're trying to cover. You know, one aspect and another aspect, whilst also guarding against this as a possibility, and yeah, and you tie yourself in knots. People do that all the time now. Rather than pick up the phone, hmm. it, you know, something has happened where we have switched to written communication as a default. Um, and you know, we've been saying for years: look, if that happens, pick up the phone or. or shock horror walk and talk and 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 actually speak to that person face to face if you can because you will you will resolve the issue much more quickly Mm -hmm. um now we thought that was just because it was easier because you know it allows for it's much more allows you to be much more responsive in real time you know people can people can interrupt each other um well you know if if you're speaking with someone uh, and they interrupt you that can be fine or that can be terrible that can really r- really annoy you and you which one of those it is well you know you will know and they will know it, it's it, if you're if you're speaking with them face to face um it's it's you know there's a, a real subtlety there that is lost um with for instance a, an exchange of messages on something like slack or yammer uh, or an email exchange um so we thought it was just because it was that it it, it was um uh, just a lot easier to 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 communicate that way. what this research has showed is that although oxytocin is released when you're speaking with someone, it's not released when they're reading something that you've written It's completely mm-hmm. absent so uh or it's not absent you know so it's much 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 lower um and so uh, as a result of that when you've when you're relying on the written word uh, to form a relationship to to deliver say something like you know customer care um or you know to just speak to speak to a client um, if if you are not speaking with them on the phone, if you are not speaking with them face to face you are at a huge disadvantage and you are dramatically increasing the risk that that relationship is going to go south pretty quickly um it, you know it's these these things you know written communication is not it it's not a perfect thing even if you are really really good at it it's still often not as usually not as good as speaking to somebody face to face i mean sure it's great for audit trails um, it's great for technical information, but it's no substitute for actually speaking with someone.
0: That's really fascinating. And just intuitively, you can feel that the truth of that. It occurs to me, um, you know, I, most of my work is just solo, just me and myself. But I've been working on some projects lately where I've got one guy in particular, as I have in mind, who I've been sort of directing, supervising and, and picking up some tasks, some tech stuff sort of like a VA relationship, I guess. And um, even I, it occurs to me, you know, we do get on video chat every couple of weeks, probably. And it seems to me, so then between those chats, I've got some stuff to do and I'm just firing off. Hey, can you check on this? And, you know, how's that going? And I'm not taking the time to Wrap those messages with connection. I'm just it's just information, and even as I'm writing them, after a while, I start to think, I wonder if this is starting to sound curt. You know, after three or four of these in a row, yeah. and I'll just kind of intuitively add in a little more, you know, context and thanks. I in my communication stuff, I remember one of the last presentations I did. I I suggested people writing emails. I call it the love cookie. <laughs> so I had this picture of like an Oreo cookie. And basically the point was do something at the beginning. That's about connection. Hey, how's it going? You know, how's that? you know, just something that's not about the message. It's just about you and them. And then the content is the creamy filling. And in the end was a little more connection. Thanks. I know you're busy. Appreciate you, you know, taking a look at this, whatever it was. Um, so I'm not doing those with this, but after a few of those in a row, that are just pure message, I even start to feel like, gosh, I wonder if I'm being too, uh, you know, not disconnecting, but lack of that, too cut and dry. And then we get this kind of impulse naturally arises every couple of weeks. Should we get on the phone? Should we have another, um, you know, Skype call or something? And it seems to me that's actually not a bad model. If you are in a situation where part of the team is remote and your primary a communication with them is going to be email or against Slack or something like that. That you should, you know, institute a policy where every week or two, you need to do something face to face, even if it's like FaceTime, to keep that connection there. Otherwise, it starts to that that pure kind of uh, uh, I can't think of the, right, the way to describe that the the lack of connecting communication. Yeah starts to chip away at the relationship even if there's no intent there
1: you know it can happen It can happen really quickly and you know it doesn't doesn't have to be a face-to-face meeting it doesn't have to be a video call just a phone call is better than relying on written communication the whole time um your instincts are absolutely right you do need to pay attention to this stuff in your written communication um you know we're, we're all susceptible to this stuff i've I've been training in written communication for 20 years. My company's trained 50,000 people and we still get it wrong when it comes to using things like Slack. In fact, we've had Mm. to institute a policy where we just say, you know, time out. Let's speak on the phone Um, (laughs) because you can just see it. You know, you can just see the tone changing and then it's like, whoa, (laughs) this is this is not good, we can you know with the guy can sense a little irritation here, and you can just see the get, the sentences getting shorter and shorter um and, and it's because it's so easy to misinterpret and I know you know you 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 work uh, mainly on your own um I'm in an office full of people we use slack we use slack for communicating with each other all the time and and we're we're mm-hmm. mostly in the same room and this is this is really common um and has been for a long time you know right back to when we first started using email um you know over 20 years ago um i remember uh, joining an organisation and they had this this newfangled thing called email um which really ages me um just saying that but i i just remember um really vividly i was in a it was a large organisation but but there were three of us who worked in, in a a small corner office in the, this this old building um, in the center of London. And, um, my boss, uh, from time to time would, would walk in. Um, and you could just, you know, you could tell he was in a, he was in a bad mood, you know, he'd maybe had a, uh, you know, a row with his wife or it had a really bad journey in, or his football team, his soccer team had lost that weekend, whatever it was, could be many things. Um, something was wrong and he would, you know, he would walk in and you could just you could practically see this big gray cloud above his head. And this guy, this guy, I'm not kidding. He worked, you know, probably less than 10 feet away from me, more more like six feet away, two meters in uh, metric. Um, And and he would, he would fume. He would sit there fuming for, uh, you know, about anything from half an hour to, you know, an hour and a half. And I remember the first time this happened because I was thinking, "Goodness, I wonder what I wonder what's wrong with him." And then I would get an email from him apologising, and this guy was sat next to me, you know, and he's oh, oh, yeah. really, really sorry. Um, you know, I had a bad journey in this morning. Uh, didn't mean to take it out on you. And I just, I was just astonished at this. I was thinking, "What? What makes you think that that makes it better? You've just made it worse." You know, why not? Why not say, "Hey, do you want a coffee?" You know, sorry about that. Um, you know, and th- there was nobody else in the room at that point. <laughs> Why not just tell me? But there's something about hiding behind um, our computer screens. You know, and you see this, of course, in you know with the the keyboard warriors in uh, in chat forums who, so, you know, uh, very brave at oh, criticizing yeah. people, very quick to react, uh, and you know, and on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, how many of those don't even use their real name? Um, it, you know, it, right. it's, they just feel very brave when, when they're on that keyboard. So it's, it's something that's very seductive. We, we don't realize we're doing it. And in fact, you know, when I say that, um, you know, I'm researching a book on written communication, um, people sort of say, oh, you know, how, how do you mean written communication? And I said, well, you know, writing. I said, what, like Handwriting? Or what do you mean grammar and punctuation I'd say no 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 no. <laughs> you know you know that thing you do most of the time you know when you've got your phone what do you use your phone for most of the time it's not making phone calls uh you know when you're communicating with people you're generally texting them or you're on whatsapp uh, or imessage or uh, whatever it is um that's writing uh if you are uh you know you'll you'll email them you you will use slack in fact you would do anything except actually speak to them. Uh, I, I have a theory that it's only a matter of time before our, before some um, f- tech company forgets to put a, a, f- a voice function, a phone function in a phone, <laughs> you know, or maybe you'll have to download that as an app, you know, because um, I mean, my, my Funny. yeah, just, just looking at my, um, it, you know, a, teenage kids and just looking at their their faces, if their phone actually rings, you know, it's like, what, what kind of psycho is phoning me? And they're holding this device in their hand. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. It's, it's really, really seductive.
0: But what's fascinating to me, if I heard you right, was that when you're talking to people about your book, they don't intuitively connect that their texting and emailing is written communication. Correct. It's just communication.
1: Correct. It's become our right. default. That's, that's, even, it's that's what- even more of
0: the seduction. They're not even aware that they're using that channel versus the other one they're used to using.
1: And and you and I, David, can remember a time when people were talking about people no longer using the written word. You know, that this would we would just use the phone all the time or or you know, video phones or whatever um and we wouldn't write to each other um that you know writing was a dying art nobody was going to do it um and and who could have predicted that that we would yeah. actually go to the other extreme so quickly um yeah. and and we are we're just not equipped to do it um you know the written word um does have uh, quite a dramatic effect on us in fact one, one of the other things i've noticed is that um we w- when we're unsure of um what to do next or you know if we're tired or we you know we need a break or whatever it is um m- more often than not we will uh, you know we'll, we, we will turn to some kind of visual stimulation and when you're just in you know out in the world on a, on a train or or even in the office you will read something you, you you will turn to something and you will read it and you will seek information um, and so we are continually putting, um, exposing ourselves to, to the written word. We're reading words that, that lack this, um, this oxytocin generating capacity. Um, you know, so, so we're very likely to misinterpret them, um, or to, to react to them without it being tempered by, you know, kind of, you can almost imagine someone saying, Hey, you know, it's, uh. That don't take this the wrong way or um you know maybe that's a bad example but you, you know they're, 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 a context they mm-hmm. they lack a context an emotional context um mm-hmm. and so we're you know we're reading this stuff all the time and it's going straight in and there are some of these words that that really have quite a dramatic effect on us um you know all words are not equal there are um there are some words that are um Really, really powerful, and and they generate a huge um, emotional effect, um, emotional effect, um, and uh, you know it's it, th- some of those words are. Um, you know the ones in the top in the top 20 are almost all definitely not safe for work you know um they're the they're the taboo words you know and you can't ignore those if someone drops the f-bomb uh or worse you know you can't ignore it in fact even me saying that uh you know there will be people listening to this and now thinking of those words you know um so it, it's it, you know there are some words like that but then there are others that we we do Respond almost as strongly to, and and guess what? Those are the things that that um, newspaper editors um, and sub editors put in headlines. Um, you know, just yesterday morning, um, I uh, 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 um, uh, local newspapers had been pushed through the letterbox, and and you know, I, I picked it up, and above the fold in this in this newspaper, it I just saw the word death. You know mm. and this was mm. about seven in the morning seven in the mm. morning and the first word i've seen is the word deaf um and, and it didn't get much better you know i opened the paper and it said on the streets okay so that was the splash headline in this newspaper and i've just opened up that prime real estate my brain and my emotional space i've just opened that up to to somebody Programming me and and just you know using a word that's going to produce a deep emotional response. Now we are doing that all the time. Um, we think that um, you know. In, in my case, I'm CEO of a company. I've been doing it for to say for a long time. Um, I I read a lot, um, but not all reading is equal. You know, you can read a book um, and educate yourself or you can read as um you know you can say go on linkedin um or um you know go to one of the the, the many business sites and you tell yourself that actually you are edu- you know you're 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 taking care of your executive education but more often than not you are just depleting your ability to cope with things um you know it's a bit like um you know, it's a bit like your phone battery running down really quickly if you have, you know, five GPS apps open at the same time. Um, that's what happens with our brains, and it and it's and yet we we willingly do this. You know, we 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 wake up in the morning, we roll over. You know, maybe our alarm is on our phone. We turn off the we turn off the phone, uh, uh, turn off the alarm, and and j- even as we are struggling to focus, uh, we. What do we do we turn to the news or we turn to our email um and, and it's it's nuts it's just really really unhealthy um mm-hmm. but it also depletes um your, your ability uh to your cognitive ability um that you are really going to need for the rest of the day so it's going to make you uh, much more open to distraction. Um, it's going to uh, it is going to um reduce your decision making capacity um and it's going to make you much less effective and i have to say probably much less happy uh, it's a, it's been a a a, a long established psychology principle that if if something upsets you if you read something that's upsetting uh then on average, it would take you about 20 minutes to to, um, to kind of recover your equilibrium and get on with, mm-hmm. with the rest of your day. But that upsetting thing, being upset, will, affect, will likely affect every decision you make for the rest of the day, regardless of whether that decision has anything to do with what upset you in the first place. Um, Now, just imagine how many times we are reading things that are potentially upsetting and what the effect is likely to be on on the rest of your day. Um, It's it. I I think it's amazing we ever get anything done at all.
0: (laughs) Well, especially when you, you know, layer over that, that we are. Basically addicted to these mediums that by design are coming up with the most upsetting things they can think of and framing it in the most upsetting way. Your death headline is a perfect example. Their whole business model is based on Absolutely. getting our emotional attention and and it works and we get addicted to it and then it just clouds and and really just changes the whole arc. We- of like, you be, everything else be overwhelmed. Fascinating. By the way, sorry? I, I want to ask you how you do with that. Uh, how good are you? How good are you first thing in the morning with um good or bad
1: with grabbing that phone or whatever your source is? Um Do you do it depends, that? Depends how tired I am. Turn off the alarm, grab your phone? It depends how tired I am. If I am um if I'm if I'm well rested, then I'm very good. Um if I'm if I've had a bad night, then not so good sometimes really bad um it it it's mad it's like um mm. you, you know that you the, the more tired you are and and the the, the less able you are to cope uh, I find in in my sample of one <laughs> that uh, the more likely I am to go and do the thing that's the last thing I should be doing
0: I'm exactly the same um it just goes right to willpower but the thing that's really fascinating to me in that is I mean, the reason we grab for it is because there's this unconscious sense that there's comfort in it. It's a it's a comfort move, comfort seeking move, and that's what's really hilarious because it's anything but, right? I mean, it does the opposite to us. It's like it's like for me, if I had a rough night's sleep, I am gonna have a Coke Zero as part of my you know breakfast. Um sort of the intellectual level argument is, well, I'm tired. I need the caffeine boost, but that's really, um, <laughs> that, that's just the justification for the underlying impulse. The underlying impulse is it's just comfortable. I'm caring for myself. Absolutely, I, comfort. Am, yeah. I need this emotionally. Yeah. And But again, the reality of it is it has the opposite effect on me. And I know that over and over again, there's no doubt that when you spend that morning, those first few moments clicking through, looking for something of interest or importance in your feed, it has the opposite effect, but we still have that comfort seeking attraction to it. I'm not totally sure what that is, but that's the root of it as far as I can tell.
1: Uh, I mean, we're, we're wired to seek, uh, you know, we have this drive to seek new things, um, we we get a um we get a reward. We we get a dopamine release, the the you know, another feel-good hormone, um when we discover something. And so um that's why we like checking our inboxes and checking the news. Um So we're just searching for do- dopamine. We're searching for something. Yeah, and that would have you know, that would have got you off your button out of the cave and and you know um hunting for the next meal. That would have kept you alive um back in the day um and so you know that's that's a in a a very old part of your brain um yeah. and you know when you're tired there is nothing to overcome that drive there's nothing to say hey look you don't you don't actually need to do that you have cereal in the cupboard <laughs> you know <laughs> um or you know it, it's um w- when you are tired your your ability to overcome those basic drives is diminished um so you know, we we think we think we're going to get a dopamine boost uh, when we find new information and we do. The trouble is it's usually then uh, immediately followed by the opposite effect when, you know, we get a release of cortisol, a stress hormone, um, because we realize actually, oh, look, there's something new. Oh, no, it's something terrible. I feel bad, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and then and then what do you do? What do you do? It's a bit like channel flicking. You kind of see the story. You read it, and you do. You get to the end and say, "Hey, you know what? Enough of this. I'm going to go and do something productive," or do you say, "Well, you know, that was really depressing. I'm going to try and find a story that cheers me up." <laughs> and so you then click well, another link, and you know, in the hope that we are—it's this—is not a logical thing. This is something that, well, that we are programmed to do.
0: That sequence does make sense to me if we are following with the idea that when we're tired or i would expand that to any sort of stress i'm i'm upset i am feeling under some sort of threat um that i would seek comfort right even in things that aren't inherently comforting so as soon as you finish reading the the depressing article well now you're more stressed you're more under threat so that impulse for more comfort is is heightened i mean it it, i can see a thread there anyway
1: you're absolutely right um It's, um, you're absolutely right. It's, it, it it is a logical sequence, isn't it? It's something
0: like if they were, if they were happy stories, you could turn it off. The fact that they're upsetting stories might be a factor in the, what keeps you searching. That makes sense to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you, you are, if something depresses you, then that leaves you more, more vulnerable at the end. To yep. to seeking that dopamine hit to cheer yourself up, yeah. So you got this dopamine and cortisol um, acting in kind of kind of tandem. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's but but all of this stuff is you know it's all written material. It's it, it's it it draws us in. Um, it it drains our cognitive resources. Um, you know, words words affect us, and uh, written words affect us a lot um i, I was on a, a train recently and i looked around the carriage and uh maybe 80% of the people in that carriage were reading something they were either reading the, uh, something on their phone um or they were uh reading a newspaper um and it just it just kind of fascinated me because i was thinking you, you know that we have this discomfort with we're we're sat there we're on a train now now, you know i live in a nice part of the world the scenery was beautiful but but they weren't looking out the window um i guess maybe it's a response to being crammed in a carriage with a a bunch of strangers you know we 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 want to do something yeah Yeah, yeah we want to do something um and yeah there's probably a suggestion you know if one person picks up a newspaper then someone else might as well but you know what is it? what is it that that makes us decide that um that if we're bored if we want to be entertained, we will pick up a newspaper and uh you know start reading about or start reading all these things that mostly yeah. are probably not gonna affect us that day and um certainly are mostly out of our control anyway um and we do that um at the expense of focusing on things. That are actually going to improve our lives uh and the lives of um of our friends and loved ones
0: well i know for me i've been paying a lot of attention to this lately in myself i know for me it's just a pure boredom play which is the oxytocin play yeah right yeah i mean i just i'm looking for something novel um and then pretty quickly kicks in the addictive patterns i Just like we talked about, I get it. I need some more. I want some more. Um, It becomes the normal. So here's a a good example for me. I and it's not as bad as far as the idea of uh, the nature of reading versus like listening to podcasts. But I've gotten into this habit where uh, if I'm as soon as I get it from my desk and I head upstairs, I'm going to go have some lunch. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go just. Check in, do whatever. My instinct now is to grab my phone, check if there's any new podcast episodes, put the earbuds in, and be listening to something. Whenever I'm not working, I want to be listening or reading. And uh, I go for a walk. I try and go for a walk a couple, three times a week. And my, or even with the run, my instinct is to what feels normal is to listen to something while I do it. And um, I've noticed that it's just pure addiction. So I've started to regulate that. I've started to, you know, sometimes at least make the decision consciously, not necessarily say, no, it's just, you're not going to do it, period. Or yes, we'll do it, you know, without thinking about it. Just, okay, do I really need to today? Is there something I really want to listen to? If not, just go. Um, But what I really notice is um, on those days where I go for a walk and I don't listen to something or I just do the dishes, I'm just doing the dishes And I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm just there doing it. My actual inner experience of that period is so much more interesting and fulfilling and sometimes valuable. I'm not always, I don't always come up with stuff, but a lot of times I do then, you know, get my attention over to something I'm working on and trying to come up with ideas for, and I come up with stuff, but it's just so much more alive and invigorating to just let stuff come up, whatever that is. Um, so, you know, that helps me make those choices yeah. later, but, but that's, that's what I'm observing in myself. And it applies to all those, any sort of downtime. And I'm really talking about literally, if I need to go to the bathroom, I think I mentioned this to you, this is too much information <laughs> for people, but my first impulse is I've got to go to the bathroom. My second one is where's my phone? <laughs> Cause I'm going to take that time to read something. And if I just say, you know what? no you don't have to read this time (laughs) i just just go to the bathroom it's a completely different experience um and 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 really better in every way there's there's no doubt it's better in every way
1: yeah it's um it's almost like we don't experience life because we're uh, you know we're taking this drug almost that, that just um distracts us from everything um Uh, You know, and there are sometimes being distracted can be a good thing. And it it opens you to to information that you wouldn't have got otherwise. Um, But more often than not, that's not the case. More often than not, it just makes life more difficult. Um,
0: I'll tell you one of the things that really helps with me. And I think this ties it back to the highly sensitive person topic. Um, And I noticed this like I get to the end of my day. When I feel like the day was productive versus I get to the end of the day and I've been doing stuff all day and I feel more behind than when I started, Um, overwhelmed by all the things that need to be done. Those times when I'm doing the dishes, I think is a really good example. I'm doing the dishes and I'm just sort of percolating and processing and thinking about what's going on in my day. That is a very productive period to sort of have things feel like I have some control of them. Control is not the best word, but I'm just sort of up to speed. Like a lot of times I go to, I'll be on my walk and the the conversation I actually have with myself is, okay, so let's see what's going on right now. What am I working on? Okay, here, this comes up and I think about that. Okay, where am I? What's next? And that's just so helpful to have some peace and confidence with, all these various things that are active in our life. But when I don't take time to do that, when I don't give myself time, when I fill every one of those minutes with either either I'm working on something or I'm consuming something, I never get time, that mental breath, that mental processing and sort of checking in and having that, that comfort with um, the, the things that are active in my life right now, the things that need my attention. And I end up just being overall much more anxious and um, a lot of times sort of defeated. I got too much. I'm overwhelmed. And I, I I associate that with that sensitive stuff with that, that internal overwhelm that can happen when you're holding too many things. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's not, it's not just, it's
1: not just, um, highly sensitive people who feel that, um, you know, for sure that, that definitely exacerbates the problem. Um, but you know, I I remember um, reading a quote, um, reading an interview with with Barack Obama when he was in the Oval Office, and he was saying that every um, decision that came to him, if, it, if if something came to him, if it landed on his desk, it was because nobody else could solve it. It was because nobody else could make that decision. Um, now, you know, I'm not CEO of the United States, but um, but I do run a company, and I I think it's every Every bit is intense. You know, the the things that flow to a CEO tend to be um, tend to be difficult things. By the time they they get to me, um, it's something that probably nobody else has been able to solve or to make a decision on. Um, and so you can see your role as a CEO as being a decision maker, and in fact a a, a maker of tough decisions. Now, tough decisions require a lot of mental energy so um starting your day by checking your email um starting your day uh by you know checking social media looking at linkedin looking you know just basically this this slew this never-ending flood of information um you know it's like being punched in the face continually Uh, and and you know pretty soon you're going to hit the canvas and you're going to hit the canvas and then you've got a tough decision to make. How effective do you think you're going to be in that situation? This stuff really matters. People need to talk about this. It's, it's, affecting, um, it's affecting our lives, but it, you know, it's affecting the, the success of, of, of companies and other organizations. Um, I don't hear people talking about this, not in terms of the, the, um, it's what psychologists would call ego depletion, ego in the psychology sense, um, self-control. you know it's that is being used up um, which means that you know you're likely to make decisions based on emotion based on how you feel not based on logic and you know you haven't got your your cognitive energy that you really need Um, you know there's a whole lot of macho nonsense that's talked about this you know lean in and get up early and i do this and i do that and i just say you know it is it's it's rubbish it's just not it it's it's not the way to make good decisions just as sitting in a room and you know locking yourself in a room for for 10 hours um or trying to brainstorm um and saying right we're going to make a decision here you know we said we'd make a decision so let's make a decision um often you don't need to make a decision there and then and just because something's on the agenda um especially if you're the leader of a company You know, it's fine to defer it to a point when you are um, in a better space to make that decision. And um, certainly if you if you just expose uh, yourself to this, this, this overwhelming um, flood of information that's going to make you that's really, really going to decrease uh, your capacity to to make the right decisions. Um, That is just
0: super powerful and important, this this idea of peak mental performance. And that's really what you're talking about. You need to be, I say mental, I don't mean purely intellectual. I mean just thinking at the highest possible level. You, you can't do that without being really, really intentional and protective of your, your mental state, your bandwidth, your energy, all of that. But especially, I, I associate this with... Um, you know the experience people have—you get a song stuck in your head, and you can't get it out of there. You know, I'm sure you've had that experience. Oh yeah, an um, ear-
1: I have a it called an earworm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, to really get to where you are operating at your peak level mentally, you've got to be able to be intentional with that. You've got to be able to choose what choose that song, and when you when you do it unconsciously, when you let your you know, your hormone addictions, um, drive that. You grab that phone first thing in the morning, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. There was that book. Um, oh, what's that guy? Um, 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 Josh Waitzkin, Tim Ferriss talks about him, the art of learning guy. He was the chess champion and the martial arts champion. You know, that book, you know, that we've talked about him probably. Uh,
1: yeah, I've not, I've not read the book though.
0: It's fascinating guy. And, um, yeah, in many ways, fascinating, but, he, and, and the work he does, as far as I understand it, um, like the paid work, the consulting work is with people who, like hedge fund guys, um, which I don't know anything about hedge funds, but apparently they see themselves as needing to r- solve really sticky, complex problems that to do well in that realm. And I'm sure there's a lot of other realms that that would apply. And just like you say, just being CEO in the first place, but to solve those problems, you've got to have bring the you know the biggest guns you've got, your your logical problem solving thinking guns to the problem and so that's what he works with and the main thing he does is get them to be super intentional with what they put in there like for example you you don't pick up the phone first thing. the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is a very specific sort of morning routine you grab your morning journal you process kind of what came up for you during the night you sit down to probably some sort of meditative um early morning thing You just again being if you picture I'm, I'm rambling here but i picture um a bodybuilder i don't know anything about this really but a competitive bodybuilder they have to be insanely intentional and specific with what they eat every meal the the quantity, the quality, the actual nutrients, maybe even a high level athlete is a similar thing. They've got to be, you know, nothing is just, you know, whatever. Nothing is just how I'm feeling. Everything is intentional and designed. Have to be exactly that same way with your mental diet. What you what you bring in, what you allow yourself to think how you would focus your attention, how you take a break with your attention. You have to be that same sort of intentional and intense focus to get to your highest mental performance level.
1: Absolutely, I mean, and isn't it crazy? You know, we, we, we know that people have to be fit and healthy, and yet um, we, we completely disregard mental health um, and protecting that mental health. You know, we, um, we take it for granted and you and you know you take it for granted until you can't take it for granted until something goes wrong um and often you know that might manifest itself as um you know just suddenly the the inability to make decisions um or the inability to cope um but even at a healthy level to be doing your job effectively um as a leader you need to protect that space um uh, and I've been in so many places and so many meetings where, um, you know, there's been a, a, a complete disregard for that. Um, you know, long meetings where something's been on the agenda and, um, you know, fortunately I've, I've been in the position of been able to say, do you know what? We're not, we're not going to talk about that now. We're not going to decide on that. Um, I'm tired. You know, I, I've, um, you know, I, I, I've got kids and, and, um, you know, often, uh, my sleep is disturbed um and you know if i'm there in a in a, a meeting and suddenly i'm asked to make a big decision you know i there will come a point where i just say uh no i'm not going to do that and and i've actually had um people just be absolutely incredulous at that you know really but but it's there on the on the uh, um on the agenda <laughs> and i just say yeah i, I don't care I don't care Well, you know what why would I make that decision just because we've written it down it says we've got to make a decision today in this meeting what what if I make that decision tomorrow what if we have a chat about this in two days time when when I've had a good night's sleep and you know um why can't we do that um and and you know when I've, I've brought that up in 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 situations and you know people have just put it down to oh yeah that's uh yeah you're an introvert or that's you know whatever it is oh, and, yeah. and you mm. know things get lobbed back at you you know as a criticism like like it's a sign of weakness when in fact it's actually um probably a sign of self awareness about how our brains work um and maybe that brings us full circle maybe that brings us Right round to an awareness of you know of being sensitive to where people are, and um, you know how uh, how how our emotions affect our decisions, uh, and and are affecting the decisions of people around us. You know, the, the, I think some of the worst advice I hear is is go with your gut feel. What does your gut say? You know, what you are talking about there is just uh, you know these are what are called heuristics. You know, they're they're shortcuts um often based on our emotions you know what one of the things um i've looked at without you know time's getting short now but there's a concept called effective priming or emotional priming you know and if you if you're exposed to certain words then you are quicker to reach for other words so for instance um you, you know it you it, the, for instance you know that comprehending understanding the word doctor um is is made quicker significantly and it can measure it with with um, sensitive equipment that that's um, that's much quicker for for the brain to recognize that word if it's been primed with another word like say nurse okay so if i say uh, I you know i don't know house and you recognize the word house and i say the word doctor uh, and you know and you recognize the word doctor but if i've said nurse and then doctor Um, your brain is primed it starts to open up the folders Um, and uh, you you know words words affect us and they affect our emotions in that way Um, and if you get you know if you you think of these these trigger words that I was describing earlier on um, you know that's going to mean that you start selecting negative information and that's going to affect your mood Um, and that's going to affect your decision-making ability, and you will make the wrong decision.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It it all seems almost self-evident as you start to think about it, and it is uh, remarkable that we don't put more attention and energy into being intentional with our inner space. I guess that's kind of, I mean, it's sort of a new realm. We don't uh, give people credit, I guess, you know the fact that uh, we're even excited about it in some ways now um, is because that the ability to actually have knowledge about you know the brain and how the different processes in there that's a rel- relatively recent. Uh, the you know the neuro anatomy neuroscience the functional MRI kind of stuff that's come out in the last in my mind I guess I want to say the last decade or so that is pretty new, and so uh, up until we you know, had some actual information about how things work mechanically. It was kind of all just, we were kind of shooting in the dark anyway, so.
1: But, uh, you know, but that, still- a lot of this stuff though is not, it's not new. Um, it, you know, just um, there's a concept um, of uh, called uncertainty reduction, um which says that um, one of our priorities when we meet somebody new is to work out whether we can trust them and we listen for cues. Um, mm-hmm. That that help us decide whether we can trust that person, and um, there are cues um, that are that are high value, or they're, they're called high warrant cues, and there are low value cues, the the low warrant cues, and the high value ones are the ones that are hard to fake, and the low warrant ones are the ones that you know anybody could say. So, for instance, you know, if I say, um, oh, I always, yeah, my my, my clients' interests are always paramount to me, you know. That's an that's a low warrant queue. Anybody could say that. Um if I say um oh yeah I'll get that information to you tomorrow and then I don't well you know I've just given out a high warrant queue which is well hang on a minute. You know actually what you say and what you do are two different things. It's harder to follow through on your actions. Um hmm. and this you know this this um flows through right through to um again to our communications. So you know if I make mistakes in an email, um, you know, leaving aside the fact that it says "you know, writing skills specialist" at the end of end of my emails, but, which doesn't help. Um, but you know, if I make typos, then you know it's going to undermine my credibility. But if I write sent from my iPhone or sent from my mobile at the end of the email, you know that then there you know there there is evidence, strong evidence that um, readers tend to cut you a bit of slack because. Um, you've sent out the cue that um, actually, you know, you're on a mobile um, and it's not, or, or that's tempered, that's tempered the cue that, you know, you've made mistakes um, by just giving that bit of extra information that says, hey, this person's on the move. They're not, they're not sat at a desk. Um, so of course, you know, they're more likely to make mistakes. Now, this idea of um, uncertainty reduction and this being a priority when we meet somebody you know a psychological deep-seated priority to work out whether we can trust them and to look out for these cues um, that's not a new concept that was developed uh sorry that was first put forward i think in the uh in about 1977 something like that uh so mid to late 70s um hardly a new concept it might not have been you know the neuroscience might not have caught up um, but there is a huge amount of information out there. Um, this effective priming, uh, you know, effective priming is, is um, uh, there's a lot of evidence for that. And it's not based on neuroscience, it's based on psychology. I see. Um, so it d- doesn't re- re- rely on functional MRI.
0: Well, that's an excellent point. It still does feel like the whole realm, I say new, I mean, we're old enough that new can still cover 50 years, I suppose. <laughs> But I mean, you think about how we framed performance, uh, self-improvement. It's it, It's been fairly recent that we even looked to our inner life. I mean, the inner game of tennis was in the 70s. That was revolutionary um, as far as linking that sort of, again, mental performance, I guess, with physical performance, and it was... You know, narrowly framed in athletics, um, to have moved that, you know, to uh, let that sort of interest lead us over to thinking about performance like at work or as a leader and a CEO. It's fairly recent. And also, you know, most of the context we've had in the past to talk about inner life stuff has been more religious, metaphysical. It hasn't been. The kind of practical, uh, you know, work energy sort of focus around. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, it uh, as much as I share your sense that you know, why why haven't we been talking about this? It's so obvious. I do have. I, I can I kind of get it, why we haven't been uh, engaging with this stuff um, until recently.
1: It's not so much we're not engaging. Um, I think what we're not engaging with is the effect of the written word on us Um, you know we we are we definitely engage with psychology um, or with how uh, the mind works more often than not though that's just wrapped up in pseudoscience and hearsay and wishful thinking you know there's so much nonsense spouted out there um, about how the brain works Um, even down to people you know people saying people saying you know oh we, that's classic uh, left brain thinking or right brain thinking i i can tell you now whether you're a left brain or right brain dominant person and in fact you know just just peering down the virtual airwaves here i can tell whether you the listener um is right brain or left brain you, because you're neither because there is no such thing um <laughs> it's it's not a thing it's it's a it's a a complete construct of people who just haven't grasped the science of course we have two halves to our brain but you can't say you know your logic is tied up in one side of the brain and your emotions are tied up in the other it's it's just not how it works Mm -hmm. um and yet how dominant is that um you know we see that in things like um you know neurolinguistic programming people talk about that and talk about left brain right brain um really shaky so, so we get, we, you know, these myths get perpetuated um, learning styles, learning styles, again, not a thing. Um, so, but, but these are the things that just that, you know, they're memes. Um, so, yeah, we might be talking about psychology. We might be talking about neuroscience, um, but more often than not um, what we're talking, you know, we're, we're just, we're talking about complete myths. Um, and it means that the, the real stuff, doesn't get out there i mean you know partly that's the kind of barrier between academia and the and the and the the rest of the world um but um you know we are i can see why academics are often reluctant to engage because we do seem to uh uh to to kind of like to, to to swallow this this garbage um that we get fed all the time um, in how the brain supposedly works, when there is so much evidence to, when there's there's no evidence for those things, and so much evidence to the contrary. Mm.
0: So I want to bring this back uh, a bit to the HSP question. I want to just give. We talked a lot about communication stuff, which is so fascinating. But I also want to. I, I want people to get some sense of. You know how some of these traits show up in them and uh, some of the the problems it might create for them. We've talked about a couple of them. And then some specific things maybe they can do or at least be thinking about. So uh, I'm interested to talk about your, we've touched on your role as a CEO a little bit, but can you say anything more, like some specifics about how, as you came to understand uh, the different, you know, some of these different traits and how they show up in your life, uh, What you've, what you think now about how they have, affected your role as a CEO so you know what sort of uh, problems do they bring or challenges do they bring in there and then what are some of the things you've found um helpful that people might think about for themselves
1: um I well I you know it's it's helpful in the sense that um you know I hope it makes me um, more sensitive to um, where people are and, and um, uh, to 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 their mood or to their Um, you know, to, to their emotional state. Um, uh, It's um, so potentially, potentially it helps. Um, But because, um, you know, it's a, it's a hypersensitivity. Sometimes it can be a hindrance. Um, Sometimes, you know, we just need to get on with life and um, everybody would prefer it if you did um, and not get caught up in the emotion. Of the situation, um, so it's it's definitely um, you know a double-edged sword. Um, it's um, it, you know that's I, I think it's something I've discovered very recently, um, and it, it's it's explained an awful lot. You know, I really really wish that I'd found out about this. Um, when when um elaine aaron first put forward the concept um but um you, you know so much better if she'd put forward the concept and i found out about it sort of 20 years ago um because life would have been a lot easier um that said uh it has uh made a huge difference because um you know just finding out about about those things it it it's it stops you judging yourself, and it stops you putting yourself in, in situations that you know are not going to be helpful. Um, uh, but that that self judgment thing is 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 a, a key one, I think. You know, not sometimes. You know, just understanding what's going on can make life um, an awful lot um, easier uh, for you.
0: Well, I sort of hear that a, a little bit. If I'm following you, even earlier, you were talking about uh, the instances where you would say, we're not going to decide on that now. I'm just, I'm not in the right space to do that. That strikes yeah. me as as a, an example of that, where in the past, and, and they, th- that you get pushback from them, like somehow there's something strange about you for that. Whereas now, as you become aware that, you know, just the reality, the insight that I should not make a decision like this in this state and you act on that. Um, and you can not feel bad about yourself, not th- not think there's anything wrong with you, even if other people kind of uh, reflect that back to you. Is that,
1: uh, is that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's not so easy. Um, you know, because you do often get this, this reaction. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's kind of more in, in hindsight, you know, I can, um, I can think of instances where that's happened, but it, you know, it was a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, before I, um, learned about this, this high sensitivity, um, but it just felt to me, uh, you know, I, I suppose, you know, it to me, it just didn't make sense to make a decision. Um, and what, what also didn't make sense is that other people would have a problem with that. Mm. Um, but now i realize why that is um you know i realize that maybe they're not just picking up on the cues uh in the way that i was and I, but i have to under, underscore here um i'm not special you know this is this is something that millions and millions of people um a uh, a trait that millions have it, you know one in five up to one in five um and it, you know there'll be you uh, you know 15 to 20% of the people listening to this podcast will will have exactly the same um traits uh, and you know so it's not uh, you know I'm not some I'm not somebody who is uniquely talented it's just it's just part of who I am and and we all have our things um and um it, it it's just um but once you become aware of it and you understand it then it stops you i guess it just stops you beating yourself up yeah. and saying well you know why 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 do i have such a problem with this the other thing is that um i become much more um aware of my own emotional st- emotional state and you have got a kind of it's called metacognition you know thinking about thinking yeah um and you know so i can see when my thinking ability is um is degrading if you like you know i'm just i'm losing the ability to think clearly um and now i'm um far more likely to say hey what's in the calendar tomorrow can i cancel any of that can i take the day off um you know i'm 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 in a fortunate position where i can control those things and um but um i i i take more breaks than i used to as well that that's been a huge step forward i just used to think that you could just keep going the way to the way to success was just to to keep working um and uh, i realized now that it's you know this is not this is not a limitless resource um you know if you think if you think even if you even take sleep okay so you know if if you have a certain amount of sleep okay if you have a, a healthy amount of sleep then then you can function if you have no sleep for weeks we know that that's not sustainable. We know that you know no sleep, no rest. You're probably going to die, right? You know no. it's not it's not going to end well. Well, if if there's um, it, you know, if you get up earlier and you lose a little bit of sleep and and you get more done, if you imagine a curve, okay, so imagine this curve is going up because you're getting more done because you're working harder. Now imagine somewhere on that curve it's got to be the point where you die. Okay. So so that curve can't keep going up. There's got to be a turning point. There's got to be a point where it starts to go down again. Um and it's going to go down again a long way before you die. Okay? So, you know, this curve, this growth of this curve is going to reverse. It's a bell shape. Um and so that means that you know, there there will come a point where you have to stop. Um and it's and it's not the point where you collapse. Um it's the point where where you you start to lose this ability to make decisions um, and, you know, stress, you, you become too stressed um, or, you know, coming back to this idea of ego depletion. Um, you know, you, you just you cannot think you you, you lose the ability to um, the, the, you lose the self-control ability. Um, you, you're going to start checking your email Um too much, you're going to get overwhelmed with information, and it's just going to make the problem worse, and it's a vicious cycle.
0: Well, and if you are talking about trying to perform at your highest level mentally, that point of diminished returns is way nearer <laughs> than any of us intuit. I mean, you, you know, we think we can get by with uh, a little bit less optimal sleep or whatever, and uh, we just don't understand how quickly. Um, we get into a suboptimal state. I and mean, it's almost, uh, I don't want to say it's fragile because that gives you the wrong impression of it, but you have to be very, very protective of th- your mental capacity because um, it diminishes very, very quickly. You know, one thing you said to me, I think when we first talked about this, that really struck me was uh, this being sort of how we react n- naturally to um, sensitivities um especially the one that has to do with the emotional overwhelm i think that the the instinctive response to that is to you know have less of that stimulation less of that input so to isolate yeah and and that that is you know, just the wrong direction to go you said something about you know once i became aware of this uh, i observed in myself that i was isolating and I said, "Well, that's just not the way I want to live. it's not the life I want to have. So you were able to be intentional in responding differently to that you know the the uncomfortable experience of being sensitive now. Can
1: you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean I think um you know your your model um with the um, with the the levels and, and raising your in a game um has been enormously helpful. Um, you know, it's been, in fact, I have to say it's, um, it, it's helped me, uh, in where nothing else has, um, because it, it's, it's a way of gaining cognitive control. Um, and it's a way of, um, recognizing what's going on, um, and and for those listeners who who aren't familiar with it you know i will i will attempt to summarize it as a reader and i'm sure you can do it much better <laughs> david but you you know that you you have four levels and um uh you know the the base you have a kind of body level and it's a, things like hunger sleep um then you have an emotional level which i've talked about a lot today um then you have this uh, this intellectual level which you which you say is is not necess- it sounds like a good thing but it isn't because you're just lost in this unending stream of thought um and then at the top you have level four, which is what you were talking about just now about you know you're you're in that kind of that peak state. You're thinking about the things you need to think about. Um now what's really helped for me is of course controlling that emotional level because um you talk about gravity you talk about certain situations um, bringing you down through those levels from four down th- uh, through intellectual down to emotional down to body um, and you know certain situations will bring me down uh, you know if I'm tired that's bringing me down down to to that body level but as you're doing that you're going through this emotional level as well um, but you know what I do um at the beginning of every day I can is is I sit down and I focus for 10 minutes and I just try and observe my thoughts um, and then put a name to them. Um, So just label them, you know, is is that, is that, is that body, you know, I feel a bit hungry. Is that, is that um, emotional? You know, why did he say that? Oh, that was, you know, I can't believe he said that there's emotion Um, or just a complete burble of, 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 of brain noise, you know, uh, and, um, I, you know, it's, it feels like a long time to have to do that. I sit down for 10 minutes and do that. And it feels like, you know, oh, really I've got to sit here. Um, and so it's not always easy. Um, although it, it does go more quickly than you think it would. You know? Um, but definitely the days where I am, um, uh, my, my, better days, are the days where i've done that and my worst days are invariably the days where i haven't um mm. and it's as simple as that and and what it does i found is you know if you do that in the morning um and i'm not talking about when you've just got out of bed because i know it's all going to be burble, it's going to be noise uh, or it's going to be body you know because oh, i'm tired i need a coffee or whatever um you know so so this has to be when i've woken up uh properly um this morning I stopped on the way into work. I, I drove into work and I just pulled over by the road and I just uh, at the roadside. Um, and, um, you know, just stared into space or closed my eyes for 10 minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, if if, if I do that, um, I find that my ability to make decisions um, goes up, but actually my, my general cognitive control improves because just as I notice those things when I'm sat there focused, um, I notice them, um, you know, during the day, you know, I, I you know, I may find myself kind of, you know, tempted to click on a, uh, on a news story and, and you think, Oh, actually, why am I doing that? Um, you know, or, or why am I reading this email stream? Why am I just going through, you know, I'm just, I'm just caught in that, in, in that, um, at that intellectual level. Um, and it's not, you know, it's it's not a kind of a. These are not psychology terms, um, but for me, that's the beauty of it. Because rather than um, try to remember umpteen different psychology principles, you've just got four things to remember, just four levels, um, and just to say, okay, which level am I at now, and is this the level mm-hmm. I want to be at? Uh, so that that um, has helped me enormously, um, and that combined with discovering this high sensitivity trait has been the kind of the killer app for me. It's been the thing that's made all the difference Um, and consistently, you know, I've been, I've been doing this for months now um, and it's been a game changer.
0: That's excellent. I remember too, uh, I I was struck with this, your uh, story about the instinct is to isolate and then you were able to turn that around. But the, the rest of that, statement, I think, was something like, um, again, the context was, how do I, you know, quote, deal with, unquote, this, these uh, sensitive traits? And you framed it like it wasn't, it's not even about, um, you know, dealing with them, like abiding them. It was almost sort of like turning them into, uh, you know, an advantage and, and actually letting, finding a way to have those traits actually be uh, a net positive.
1: Yeah, it's about owning it, isn't it? And not in a way that you, you know, you kind of own your so-called faults or weaknesses. Um, It's about um, kind of almost recognizing it as um, in in some circumstances like a mini superpower. You know, it's kind of, um, you know, if you can be particularly um, empathetic to people, then um, kept under control, that can be a really good thing. You know, and, and it's knowing and it's the combination. It, it's being able to turn that on or off for me has been, the, it's been the, the difference. It's, um, you, you know, it's not, I mean, for sure, recognizing situations that are going to be high gravity and are going to, you know, and, and going to deplete you um, has, has been helpful. But also um, just being able to say, um, you know, just to the emotion, just uh, no quiet, you know, and just letting that go um you know oh emotion or fear no quiet you know just um uh, and and kind of get back up to that logical level um has been enormously helpful and you know i've been in situations that are that are um kind of um stressful at quite a visceral level um i i um you know nothing to do with with my professional life um i i wrote on um the longest and fastest um, zip wire <laughs> in the in the world, or certainly one one of them. Um, and this thing is like over a mile long, and it goes from the top of a mountain to the bottom. Um, and this is extreme. You go at over a hundred miles an hour and wow. and they build this thing up you know you start at like a ski station they drive you up in a truck and then they lie you on this this bed this kind of elevated gurney and they they hook you in you wear a special suit you wear goggles you wear a you wear a crash helmet um and the, and they they attach these carabiners to three different points on your on your body and you are just you know you are just prostrate you know uh, and then they then they then the bed goes away so there's this whole ritual where you know that this thing is, you know, you're approaching this thing for about you know twenty minutes, half an hour before you before you're ready to go. So that's a lot of time for that um, fear to build up, um, and uh, you know, I was able to control that fear pretty much a hundred percent um using wow. this technique to the extent that i almost wish i hadn't you know i felt like i'd <laughs> almost it almost became a run-of-the-mill experience you know sort of going down this zip wire over 100 miles an hour you know because it was like oh look you know it's like i was looking around like i was just flying mm. um Fine. really strange uh but but i i could feel it you know i could feel the fear rising and i was just able to say fear no quiet you know emotion No, quite and i just remember saying that to myself um and therefore you know damping down uh those nerves um so you know yeah there's a there's a fun situation and a a trivial example um but you know developing that as a muscle if you like um is a you know is is a key tool if you're a highly sensitive person it's a key tool but i'd argue you know it's the same for everybody. It's it's something that can benefit everybody, um, because you know. Oh my gosh, you yeah. think about, you
0: think about. I mean, you say it was a, a fun, somewhat trivial thing, but just expand that to the any other situation one can think of in their lives where they notice they're not in a state that they it's going to be good for them. You know, whether they're distracted or they're stressed out or they're. In a particular state because they're tired or hungry or whatever. I mean, it's pretty much the majority of the time where, if we're paying attention, we're you know we're reacting to our environment, our situation in a way that is not making us feel the way we want to feel, not have the be as effective as we want to be. And the ability to observe that first and then actually have some control over it—that's oh, incredible. I love hearing you talk about that. I mean, obviously I know it because that's you know that was the intention with creating yeah, yeah, it but, yeah. but but hearing you hearing you relate um that it shows up in your life exactly the way you know i i hoped it would is just oh, i love it yeah, so much yeah
1: it's um you know it's uh, i think we all get swept along by emotion and it doesn't have to be something as ex- as extreme as um you know riding the ultimate zip wire or or you know base jumping (laughs) i haven't haven't tried it with base jumping that might be a step too far um but um you you know it's we are prone to our emotion we're prone to fear um and slaves to it um all the time Uh, and one thing i've noticed incidentally is that you know if i'm if if i'm prone to kind of that kind of emotional hijacking when I'm, say, tired. Um, I'm I'm able to damp that down. That doesn't mean that I will have a good day. Um, it just means that the emotion won't run away with me and I won't end up convincing myself that everything is terrible. You know, I'm, I'm able to just pinpoint it and say, look, emotion, enough already. That's okay. Let that, let that go. I'm tired. I'm going to go and do something else. Um, rather than just continually kind of um, you know, just trying to, to drive yourself forward. Um, it's about more kind of working in, in sympathy with where you are and, and how your brain is working and really being um, being much more sensitive to the effects of, of, of the, the environment and, and um, the information that you're putting in your brain. Um, yeah, the, the effects of, of, of those things on on how your brain works.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and when you are, I think the tired one's a great example because when we're when the state we're in is dictated by a physical condition, whether it's again being tired or ill or in pain or you know whatever, those really are the most profound and powerful effects. I mean, you there's just nothing much you can do about them. But like for example, you can't just notice it and then all of a sudden not be tired. You're still going to be tired you're still gonna be in pain or whatever it is. But even just noticing it can help you be much better about the other choices, those comfort seeking, you know, addictive sort of choices that you tend to make, we tend to make when we get into a state like that, so that it keeps it from being as uh, much of a negative as it might otherwise be. It also makes it, it keeps you from beating yourself up about it so much.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. especially that last one, because, um, you you know, I think we've been conditioned. uh, Sorry, we've been we've been uh, persuaded that um, that we can have it all. You know, that it's just a case of having another cup of coffee um, (laughs) and you just need to work harder. And, um, you know, you look about look, look at the the biggest decisions, you know, the, the, the decisions that governments make um you know uh, as as we're recording this um what one of the things that's certainly um uppermost in many people's minds um in in europe and especially uh here in the united kingdom is brexit this 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 saga of of the u k trying to extricate itself from the from the um the european union um now when you hear the reports and you'll hear about so called breakthroughs Um, What you often hear is, uh, oh, a decision has been made, it's been agreed in the early hours or at four o'clock in the morning or something and you just think what are you people doing yeah i mean for for a start you can just imagine people just going oh look come on guys we need to get to get to bed should we just decide yeah that's fine i'm good with it you know and then (laughs) and then surprise surprise maybe it all unravels in a couple of days where people people realize actually it wasn't such a good idea in the first you know really um but why do why do governments why why do um you know why, why do the the people who are who are controlling our lives in this way um you know surely surely um they would realize um that this is not a good way to carry on and and to, to make that the most important decisions um you know that uh, and yet you know we i i talk about being in meetings where where it's not been recognized that we need to take a break forget that that that's just a really trivial example compared with you know the d- decisions of, of of you know the g7 you yeah. know what people people sit or, or the you know or the the member states of the european union that you know heads sitting down and just trying to hammer out deals and saying you know we're just going to stick with this until we reach a decision Um, now in that, in that kind of situation, I appreciate they are under pressure because they need to get everybody in the room at one time. And, um, you know, they, they maybe not, they won't be able to meet again for another six weeks or two months. Uh, so I can understand why they do it. Um, but surely there must be a better way. I don't know how we've ended up in this situation where people can be so, um, so blind to, um, to, to how we we make the best decisions raise your inner game books for all of parliament yes that's what yeah. i yeah. think yeah 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 it's uh, i think you're right david
0: <laughs> <laughs> well rob this has been so fun
1: yeah I knew it's been, it would it's been be
0: great it's been great i knew i it. would enjoy this um i do want to i do want to wrap us up here respect your time our listeners time Two things for to before we go. One is just, I think we've touched on it quite a bit, but just there's anything for you, like listeners who are thinking, you know, what, this sounds like it might be me. Any particular su- suggestions? Final thoughts for people who are wondering if maybe they qualify as an HSP? That's not their way to frame it, but just thoughts you'd like them to have, and you know, as they leave, maybe you know what to think about it, what to maybe do.
1: I, I would, I would say go, go straight to Elaine Aaron's uh, website. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I'm just looking, looking up there. I mean, the website address is, um, hsperson.com that's hotel Um, and, uh, you can find, you can find the questionnaire there, um, and a whole bunch of, of, uh, information, both, um, uh, both for general, consumption and uh, academic uh, links to academic research as well um this nice. is not this is not some kind of hokey pseudoscience theory um this is something that's that's respected um and uh and pretty scientific
0: and it's going to help you go easier on yourself people absolutely go yeah. easier on yourself yeah lovely where can we find out more about you what you're
1: doing Sure. Um, yeah. The, I mean, several places. Uh, my company is called Emphasis and, and we're at uh, www.writing-skills.com. Um, my personal uh, blog is just robashton.com. That's A-S-H-T-O-N. Um, and you can find me on Twitter uh, where I am uh, Robert underscore Ashton, at Robert underscore Ashton.
0: And Ashton's A-S-H-T-O-N, just like it sounds. Yeah. Beautiful sir. Thank you, my friend. It was lovely.
1: <laughs> it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, David.
0: Thank you. And we will talk again soon.
1: Indeed. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.